college football offseason is here, which is just in, insane. Uh, there's going to be transfer portal, recruiting flips, just decommits, coaches getting le- leaving and getting hired. It's going to be insane. We're going to talk about how Florida might be impacted by the coaches part, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports at GiantsCountryOfSI.com. This episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Georgia Bulldogs and LSU Tigers, where we will all, I, I think we can all agree, we will all be hoping for a tie somehow right here on Sling TV. The TV you love for a price you love. Try it today. Now, I mentioned in the beginning that we're going to talk about how Florida could be affected in the coaches' realm of things. Um, and here's the thing also that I want to point out where I think that with just the sheer volume of head coaching changes that we'll see this season or this offseason, whatever you want to say, someone at some point is going to leave, right? Like, you could you can make any argument of, you know, will they get fired? Will they just get a promotion somewhere else? Will, will Florida be like, hey, this dude's better. So we'll bring him in. I don't know. Um, but I do think that Florida has a couple of guys on their staff right now that could realistically maybe get the call that uh, that calls them to leave, leave Gainesville. And I think that perhaps the most deserving assistant, I'll say, and one that I realistically think, like, I do not have Corey Raymond on this list, and I do not have Kerry Colbert on this list, because I do not think either of those guys would be willing to leave. I don't think they're, I don't think either of them are necessarily interested in coordinator jobs. Corey Raymond hasn't been. Uh, so I don't think either of them would be interested in coordinator jobs. And they're two of the higher paid uh, position coaches at that position. So, I don't think that they're going to be leaving anywhere, so they're not on the list. But I do think one that could leave, and I wouldn't fault him, is Jabbar Jaluk. I think he could get some calls. Florida Gators running back coach. Not just because, oh, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne were so good this year, but just that they were so good and that they improved throughout the season. They improved at the little things. They all They got better as the year went on and they got developed as the year went on. And that's a big thing to see when you got guys who both of them were not on this team last year. They did not have a chemistry with the offensive line. They did not have a favorite of where they're going to run behind or who they're going to run behind. They stepped in and they came in. And also whether you're looking at Naquan, right, was probably the only back that really struggled this year. 
Lorenzo Lingard played well in his limited snaps. Jordan Battle had a good run in his two carries. I think it was against Eastern Washington. Pretty much every running back played well. They all got better as well. Like I said, uh, Trevor Etienne from his arrival on campus until the end of the season developed significantly and got exponentially better as a pass protector. Both of them, as in Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, both looked like they were not super comfortable as pass catchers at the start of the season, got a little better as the season went on. They both developed a ton. They were both monsters. And I think that even, even if you know it's you or myself that are thinking about this, we could say, well, they're just two incredibly talented backs behind a pretty good offensive line. Other coaches will see, hey, running backs were damn good in Gainesville. Let's get the guy that helped them get there. And that's the thing where a lot of the effort and a lot of the work and a lot of the credit should go to the player where like Josh Allen, everybody gives Brian Dayball the credit for him, which Brian Dayball does deserve credit. But Josh Allen went to personal quarterback trainers in the offseason and got significantly better. That was a big thing for him. Running backs, they do the same thing. They get better that way. I will say also two assistants that I think could be gone this year, maybe next. Mike Peterson, outside linebackers, and Darnell Stapleton, assistant offensive line. Yeah, recruiting-wise, hasn't been amazing for either of them. Don't care about that, by the way. Um, But both Peterson and Stapleton have done solid jobs of developing talent so far. The offensive line for Florida, one of the best offensive lines that we've seen in Gainesville, the best offensive line that we've seen in Gainesville over the past decade to 12 years-ish. Like, it, it could compete with the best Urban Meyer offensive line. On its best day, it could compete with the best Urban Meyer offensive line. I have no problem saying that. I could confidently say that. Looking at Mike Peterson with the outside linebackers, Brenton Cox Jr. was having a better year all around. His pass rushing production was probably down, but I think that's more so a factor, or, or that's more so a a result of he's the star of the defensive line or defensive front. Um, he's being asked to drop back in coverage every now and then. They're focusing more on stopping the run, and there's less chances just pin your ears back and run, which, yes, that's all true. Uh, but also you look at Antoine Powell-Ryland, Lloyd Summerall. You look at all the development from that jack spot, and, and there's a lot where Brenton Cox left. And Antoine Powell-Ryland stepped in and filled the hole immediately and then did better at that point. Like, Antoine Powell-Ryland wasn't doing that last year. He wasn't. But now he is. And also with Mike Peterson and Darnell Stapleton, the reason that I bunched them together, both have NFL experience, legitimate NFL experience. Odds are they played with somebody who is moving up the coaching ranks right now. Like, Darnell Stapleton, if I'm not mistaken, was on the Steelers the same time Heinz Ward was on the Steelers. And Heinz Ward was working up at receiver coach from FAU, And then now he's with the XFL as a head coach, but he was working his way up the coaching ranks relatively quickly. So odds are Mike Peterson, Darnell Stapleton, both played with someone, whether it was the NFL or college, that are working their way up the coaching ranks in college or in the NFL, and are probably like, hey, like, like they know this guy. So if I'm a head coach somewhere and I'm like, hey, Darnell, like, do you want to be the O-line coach at my university that I just got hired at? If he's getting more money, 
and he's getting the opportunity to do it, I would think he would do it, especially if he's confident in his own ability, which he should be. Uh, I will also say one change that I wouldn't hate seeing, um, I'm not saying we should see this, but I wouldn't hate it with Chris Couch as the Game Changers coordinator. Um, I, I get it. Game Changers, special teams, cool. Poof. Tell me one thing that Florida Gators special teams did outside of punt. Because I don't think you could do it. You can't say punt return. There was one good return this year. You can't say kick return. No. There were, what, two good kick returns? Can't say kick off. Because, no. If it wasn't a touchback, it was a solid return. You can't say discipline because they had so many penalties. What did special teams do well other than punt? I wouldn't be a poll. I, I wouldn't be opposed to uh, to giving him yield boot out the door. I will say he totally deserves another year to maybe get it right. Billy Napier obviously has trust in him and obviously has respect for him as a coach. So, yeah, I'm not mad if you give him another year. I am also just saying I'm not mad if you don't. Billy, that, that, that's my point here. But we're about to be joined by Hayden Hansen, Florida Gators freshman tight end. But first, a quick word from BetOnline, because today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. And the Florida Gators were nine and a half point underdogs against Florida State this past Friday. Which means they covered. In every single game this season that the Florida Gators were underdogs, they cover the spread. Make some money for yourself with BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, tennis, sp- soccer specifically, World Cup. Ooh. 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 It's been it's been beautiful. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out BetOnline. It's where the game starts. Joining me now for Locked On Gators like he does every Wednesday is Hayden Hansen, Florida Gators freshman tight end. And Hayden, now that at least the regular season-wise, uh, your first season as a Florida Gator is in the books, of course, excluding the bowl game. Throughout this, there were... Um, a lot of fun wins, a lot of, a lot of not fun losses, or not a lot, but you know, there were some not fun losses, but what was your favorite part of being a Florida Gator in 2022? Yeah, I mean, definitely just discovering the fan base and the culture around here. I mean, it's very strong. You know, it's really rare to see it anywhere else. And uh, just to like remind yourself that this is what you worked for, you know, it's all in front of you. So, And then uh, I, I have to ask about, this guy actually, I, I didn't plan on asking, but I have to because uh, Ventro Miller kind of brought up the same thing where he was like, oh, like like the brotherhood here was just awesome. Like this year specifically, and Ventro has been with the program for a long time. So how did you kind of think maybe that brotherhood developed throughout the season? I know that Billy Napier at one point was saying that he wants to switch up who sits where in the locker room so that everybody gets to know each other. Uh, is that something that happened, and what other things did they do to kind of develop that? Yeah, I mean, Napier, that's his, that's his whole philosophy is um, becoming better men, having your teammates back, uh, knowing where they're from. Like, he he always says that you're less likely to get in a fight with them if you know where they're from and their story and stuff, you know. So um, 
That I mean, it, it has a lot to do with Napier and the brotherhood he kind of implemented in the team. Yeah, one thing that Billy said at uh, one of the interviews was that he's like, yeah, I care more about them liking each other than hating the opponent because you're more likely to fight for your brother or for your friend than you are to just fight just because, hey, they're on the other side. We hate that guy. So I loved when Billy kind of brought that up. And now the less fun part is throughout this whole season with ups and downs, what was probably the least favorite part of this season? Uh, I mean, least favorite was just, I mean, any loss. I mean, you just, it, you just work so hard during the week and then to just to lose that feeling, it kind of just sticks with you. And then you hope to just wash that taste out of your mouth in the next week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just any loss is always going to kind of sting, especially in the SEC. And I mean, this past weekend we saw a, a pretty rough loss, obviously, but what was Billy Napier's message to the team following that loss to Florida state? I mean, you just gotta, you gotta turn the page and, don't let it happen next year, you know, just uh, keep grinding and just remember that next time around and um, get you, uh, start the new win streak. And I, I need to know your opinion on this because, you know, you are a Florida Gator. And so I think your opinion is important here. Was that the most pathetic field storming that you've ever seen where it's like a team is favored to win by 10 points, a ranked team storming the field after beating an unranked team? Yeah, I mean that was pretty um like wow, but I mean we did I did see Vanderbilt's field storming. I mean, which they were, which they were right to storm the field, obviously, because I mean no one's ever they're never favored to beat anyone. They're always an underdog. But, I mean, just how slow it happened and stuff. It was like painful to watch. But I mean, in context, yeah, I mean FSU was pretty bad too. But I mean that that was just the slowest field storm I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, um, I stormed the field my freshman year i think it was of college uh, i was i went to toledo so i stormed the field in toledo beat iowa state um iowa state was still horrible at that point but it was beating a power five school so it was really cool um and it was way cooler than vanderbilt single file walking onto the field that was that was just i don't even know if you call it a storm that was like drizzling on the field i don't know how else to describe it but uh last time we recorded was before the depth chart came out which is always how we record we always record tuesday depth chart comes out wednesday night um but one thing that we didn't know when we recorded was that there were a ton or at least i didn't know there were a ton of injuries specifically at wide receiver how did that kind of impact prep or even just the game plan itself against florida state no, I mean, it was just the same. I mean, uh, next guy up, it's the whole philosophy. Um, uh, we all believe in the, every receiver in the room to get it done, and they all are simply um, capable of doing that. So, I mean, nothing changes there. Yeah, I'd imagine that opposing teams are kind of upset because I do feel like every time that there's, a rece- that there's an injury at receiver, like Florida Gators fans are just like, well, now we're screwed, and then someone else steps up, like Dejon Reynolds did a couple weeks ago, and Jonathan Odom stepped up a bit this week in a game that was incredibly difficult to pass the ball. Uh, so I will say it's got to be a little irritating when you're an opposing team, and you're like, oh, they're not going to throw the ball, and then they come out and do that, and Ricky Pearsall had the two insanely long touchdown passes. Um, but just looking ahead, we know at this point at least, bowl game has not been announced for who Florida is going to play. Do you have a particular bowl game that you're hoping for? Because I know that I've seen Las Vegas and Tampa Bay be like the biggest uh, projected spots, but do you have a preference for any of them? Oh, yeah. I mean, undoubtedly, I think everyone in the locker wants the Vegas Bowl. So we'll see what happens. And I mean, there's a lot of benefits that come to it. Yeah, it's in Vegas, but also you'll be home before Christmas, too. I mean, you'll you'll make it home to Christmas. I mean, there's just a lot that goes into it. But yeah, that's definitely a desirable. 
Yeah, Vegas Bowl is December 17th, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that when I saw Florida's like projected Vegas Bowl or Tampa, I was just like, let me look at the Vegas one and prices. I was just like, I'll be good. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch from home on that one. Um, but now I'm curious to move on a little bit just to the locker room itself and what it's kind of like right now. Cause obviously you guys are still doing your thing. Like you're still football players. You still have everything going on, but you're at the point where in a few days, the transfer portal actually opens and we've seen uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's just one this week in Avery Helm. And then in the recent weeks, we've seen quite a few guys say that they're going to hit the portal. So what is it even like right now where there's a ton of guys, people are speculating we'll hit the portal and leave Gainesville. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we just don't know. And I mean, be person, I try to just stay out of everyone's business and just when I see them say, what's up. And then you just never know in this business, you know, I mean, you just got to take every moment and just spend it with the boys until, and, and if they do leave, you wish them the best. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. There's really, there's really not much talk about it in the locker room. I mean, it's more on the outside with like the media buzz and stuff, but I mean, it's really not like that in the locker room. So um, we're, I mean, we're obviously, we're one of the first ones to know, but I mean, it's like, we really don't talk about it too much, so. Yeah, I don't know what you mean with media talking about the transfer portal. <laughs> Not at all. I don't know anything about that one. But um, on the flip side of that, like we mentioned, that I mentioned at least, ton of kids that are you know, speculating that they'll hit the portal. Outside of Florida, there's hundreds of kids per day tweeting December 5th, I'm going to hit the portal. Right now I'm hitting the portal as a grad transfer, whatever it is. And I know you at least go on twitter at certain points do you ever see one kid where he says he's gonna hit the portal and you're just like hey he'd be he'd be a fun ad or is it mostly just like i don't even know what most of these kids do well i mean yeah uh, i I mean they're all good i mean everyone in this game is good i mean i'd have to actually like look into it more um i I mean i've been hearing some rumors about like sam hartman and stuff i don't know where that's coming from but i mean if he comes here great um I mean, but I mean, I really haven't seen anyone in particular. I mean, I just, I'll skim. I mean, there's so many. I don't really just like read them all, but I mean, it'll just be cool to see. And if we do get transfers in, which we probably will get a couple, then uh, we're going to welcome them in and get to work. Yeah. I feel like, especially given the success of Osiris Torrance, Montreal Johnson, and Ricky Pierce all this season, I'd imagine that, uh, that everybody would be very receptive to any, any transfer portal kids coming in. Uh, also, I also have no freaking clue where the Sam Hartman one is coming from. Um, don't know. I just I just know that I've had multiple people be like, "Hey, Sam Hartman wants to be a Gatorade. Florida wants him," and I'm like, "I don't, I don't okay. Like I don't know what to do with that." But uh, thank you so much, Hayden. This was Hayden Hanson, Florida Gators freshman tight end. Catch him every week on Locked On Gators, and one more time this season with the Florida Gators. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to talk Florida Gators recruiting. John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting, Locked On's Recruiting Insider, will be here. For your second listen, check out Locked On SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole9Sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.